From your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome, everybody, to the... What's today, Aronov? Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, welcome to the Tuesday crew, everybody. We got a packed house. Dylan Allen, Arnov Sarkar, Alex Carminati, Jack Basea, and John Hartnett joining us momentarily. Guys, we have a lot of sports to, t- to talk about. We'll get to the NBA playoffs. We'll get to Major League Baseball. There really isn't any NFL stuff to talk about. But we're going to start with Rutgers men's lacrosse because they have a big upcoming matchup. And I know Alex Carminati is... Big time guy when it comes to men's lacrosse. Alex, I got to go to you. So, big matchup for Rutgers men's lacrosse, a big win against Harvard. Just give me some of your initial thoughts. Well, first off, great to be here. Even though I'm not in New Brunswick, I'm back on Long Island. I, uh, my quarantine finally ended. I'm back in action. And, and I'll tell you, I'm ready to rock and roll. But for this Rutgers men's lacrosse team, I tell you, they came off a great win this past Sunday versus Harvard. And this Saturday at Hofstra, out of all places, here on Long Island, they'll be taking on UPenn and Mitch Bartolo's old team. So it's a big matchup where the Skull Knights are not only in the national, tour- uh, the national tournament for the second straight year, they're in the NCAA quarterfinals for the second consecutive season. And it's it's another big matchup for the Skull Knights where it's been a historic year, 12-2, and 4-1 in Big Ten play. They lost in the Big Ten championship. They're just coming off their win against Harvard this past Sunday. Another big test, and if they win this contest, they'll be on their way to the Final Four in in Connecticut. Yeah, nineteen to nine was the final, and apparently, um, this was the first time I, I heard our, sport, our former sports director Chris Conis tell say this on the baseball broadcast earlier, and we'll touch on the baseball team as well. Uh, but uh-huh. he said that this was the first game that Rutgers lacrosse played at Yersac Field. Uh, in over nine years, and he yeah. was telling me that it was a very, very big crowd and that they should be playing their games there from now on instead of a big open you know, football stadium where it's hard to fill even for the football team. So, you know, it, 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 I heard it was a very nice environment and a big win against Harvard, again, 19-9. to nine. And, you know, Alex, if you remember, the last time we were on crew together, I forget when, but uh, this, is, this was a game where when, when we previewed it, I was a little worried about how Rutgers played in their previous games it being sure. that all they were all so close, I, we you talk about after the Maryland loss back in April in the regular season, uh, in which they were never in the game. They lost seventeen to nine. They went on the road and beat Michigan by one. And Michigan was no, uh, you know, not really the the greatest team in their division or anything close. They only won by one. And then at Penn State Senior Day, they win by one, have to force overtime, and then win it in overtime. So, um, and again, the Ohio State game in Big Ten tournament play, they had to come from behind, so I was a little worrisome about that and not really looking too good against Maryland again, but listen, they proved me wrong, played very well against Harvard, and, you know, what seemed like a very packed house at Yursak, it's going to be a tough game against UPenn, though, in Long Island, but I guess the good news for Rutgers is there's no Georgetown, right? They're out of the, they're out now? Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Blue Hands of Delaware with a massive upset against number two Georgetown. And the way they did that, I mean, it was remarkable. Georgetown was up for the majority of the game. And then in the waning minutes or so, Delaware strikes again and again and again. And they come back to win the contest against uh, the Hoyas. But for Rutgers, uh, Dylan, the last time we talked about them was actually the night before the Big Ten tournament championship game. 
and we talked about how they they had to come from behind to beat Ohio State the night previously on that Big Ten semifinal. Altogether, you know, this team again, they're you know they they've been up and down, they've been back and forth, whatever whatever you want to say about them. But when they're on point, they're on point, and they're deadly when they really are on point. Ross Scott this past Sunday had eight goals, eight of the nineteen goals for Rutgers, and honestly, Chris Sakonis, that's a great point by him because. The again, I wasn't there, but from what I saw, from what I heard, it was a jam-packed house, and you know, guaranteed it. It you know, SHI is a much bigger stadium than Yersac Field, but this game at Yersac Field held a decent amount of people more than you see at SHI for any contest at SHI Stadium. So maybe that takes place. Maybe it doesn't going forward. I don't know. It wouldn't be a bad idea. But altogether, you know, for, for this team right now, sure, back and forth, up and down, you'll see sometimes. But when they're on point, they really are. We saw it again, you know, against o- Ohio State, where it was it was a tough first half, but they, you know, ran ran the table in half number two. Mitch Bartolo had four of the six unanswered goals, and they won the game, of course, 12 to 10. For Rutgers as a whole, especially against a very good Penn team that's a three seed, and Penn that actually almost lost their first round matchup, Penn had to come back uh, to tie the game in the winning minutes of regulation and then win the game in overtime. Something very, very similar to what Rutgers did versus Penn State on their senior day game back on April 23rd. So Penn as well had a very tough first round contest against a Richmond team that everyone expected, you know, Penn to just blow the doors off, but they gave them a really good fight for the money. Um, all, all together for this Rutgers team this Saturday, they got to start strong. They have to also play 60 minutes consecutively, whether it's, you know, the, the, the first 15, the first 30, the entire 60 through, uh, they can't fall behind early. They, they, they also can't slump early. At the same time, they have to keep their stamina the entire 60 minutes and play a full 60-minute game the entire way through. Last year versus North Carolina in the NCAA quarterfinals, they were up at one point. They lost the lead. The game went to overtime. Rutgers lost in overtime. So if this game needs extra time, Rutgers has to keep their stamina the entire way through. And if they're going to win this quarterfinal matchup and make the final four and make a run for that national title, they need to really play full 60 minutes. Don't give up any silly chances. Don't make any silly plays, score early, stay consistent, stay staminaized throughout the entire time. And then towards the end of that game or towards the final you know, few minutes or so, just keep pushing, 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 and push your way forward eventually to a victory, hopefully for their sake, against UPenn on Saturday. Yeah, and this UPenn team as well, Alex, um, I'm looking over their, you know, I'm not too familiar with their men's lacrosse team, and I'm looking over their schedule. They're very talented team, 11-4, and 3-3 and three in the conference, and you may look at that and go, well, 3-3 three and three in the conference, not too great, you know, but you look at their conference, and the Ivy League Cornell's in lacrosse, the Ivy League in lacrosse is awesome. You got Princeton, Cornell, yeah. Yale, Harvard, um, yeah. Brown even and you have a bunch of these teams that are just that have been top ranked a top 10 ranked I think Princeton Cornell and Yale were all top 10 opponents at the time they played them and Brown it says they weren't ranked when they played them but they were the number one seed in the Ivy League tournament so tells me that they were a pretty good program as well but and they haven't lost since April 9th against Brown, which they lost 12 to 10 but they beat Brown in the Ivy League tournament 14 to 9 and then beat Yale. The one thing I noticed with this team, Alex, is as Penn hasn't won too many games by a lot of goals this year. I think the game yeah. against Albany, they won by eight. 
and, and that might be their biggest margin of victory this year. Every other game they've played has, has been very close. They lost by two to Georgetown, which again uh, was a top two team all year. Yeah, they beat Duke, a top seven team in overtime, beat Penn State, who you know we saw wasn't the greatest of teams this year, only by one. Uh, they beat right. Villanova by one, lost to Princeton. You know, Rutgers also lost to them by one in overtime, beat Cornell by four, and the list goes on and on. And there were just a lot of close finishes. So, and you mentioned that Richmond game in which a lot of people expected them to blow them out. And they only win eleven to ten, and now they're facing a team like Rutgers, who has experience blowing out teams, but then also winning close games that maybe they should have blown out the other team in. So it's interesting to me what kind of side we're going to see from both of these teams. Are we going to see the U Penn team that hangs in there and and beats you by five or six, or are we going to see the U Penn team that you know goes head to head with you, goes to overtime, and the same goes for Rutgers? You know, are we going to see this team? that we saw earlier on in the year, or, or are we going to see the team that, you know, came on the scene after that initial loss to Maryland, where ever since then it's been pretty close contests since that point, uh, except for the game against Maryland when they lost by 10 and the game against Harvard where they won by 10. And if you're looking at right. it that way, you could go, well, you know, since that those couple of games, they just blew Harvard out by 10, and they're a very good team. We could be seeing this team turn the corner. You're going to be seeing one of three scenarios this Saturday in Hofstra or at Hofstra. One's, one will either be Rutgers start strong, they dominate from the beginning, and they run the table the entire way through. Or Penn does vice versa for option number two. Option number three, you're going to see a back-and-forth game where Penn's going to lead, Rutgers will lead, Rutgers might jump out to a decent margin, Penn will claw, you know, claw its way back. Honestly, in general, I wouldn't be surprised if this game went to extra time because of how dominant both of these teams are and how skillful they really are, not just in, you know, the beginning, the middle, the end, but just in general. And again, in overtime, especially Rutgers, they've had overtime drama this year. Penn, the last game they played was, was an overtime victory when, when they were behind, they came back to tie it. They came back to win it. Of course, eventually in the extra frame, I would not be surprised if we see over 60 minutes of action this upcoming Saturday. And, you know, it's going to be a really good contest. And not just, you know, Penn and the Ivy, you know, Yale and Princeton are facing off right after the Rutgers-Penn matchup on Saturday at Hofstra. So, you, so, so you've got the would-have-been Ivy team in Rutgers, the Ivy team in Penn. You then have the Ivy matchup in Yale and Princeton. And, yeah, the, the, the Ivy League is absolutely incredible. Uh, Colin Curse's brother, Colin Curse, who's a starting goalkeeper for Rutgers, Ben's the cross. His younger brother, CJ Curse, was the offensive rookie of the year and the overall rookie of the year in the Ivy League. I mean, this guy scored seven goals in their last game against Ohio State in round one of the tournament. Wow. Keep in mind, what did what did Ohio State do again? They scored four goals in the first period. They were four nothing. They were down four to two. A weather delay takes place. C.J. Kirst and company run the table. Kirst scores seven goals. Ohio State loses to Cornell 15-8 to the final. So altogether, you know, you see this Ivy League's teams, not just Penn, but Cornell and Yale and Princeton. Princeton, who also beat Rutgers uh, last March in Princeton. These teams are legit in the Ivy League. And yes, we focus a lot about Maryland being the number one dog. They really are. But when you take away Maryland, the dominant conference or the dominant amount of teams in college lacrosse come from the Ivy League. 
not just Cornell, not just Princeton, not just Yale, not just Penn, really the entire league. And what was a shocker early on in round number one, Brown, who was ranked number eight, they were upset by Virginia, an ACC school who actually beat Maryland last year in in the national title game. So Maryland, Virginia have their own rematch matchup in the NCAA quarterfinals in Columbus on Sunday. But altogether, you know, you have, you know, really great stakes, really great teams battling things out. And Rutgers v. Penn is going to be a phenomenal matchup. Again, you're going to see either Rutgers dominate, Penn dominate, or a back-and-forth game that could need overtime and could be solved in the extra frame. Well said, Alex. Let's welcome Jack to this conversation. Jack, how are you doing, my friend? And, and give me some of your initial thoughts on this team. Uh, this is a team that you you told me that we should we should open the show with, and for good reason. They're very good all year long in a big game this weekend. So just give me some of your initial initial thoughts. Yeah, Da, I'm doing good. Appreciate it. Um, I think it's important to you know highlight this team because they're. They're pretty close to, I mean, like, think about it. They're pretty close to, like, making history for Rutgers lacrosse. They're in the Elite Eight right now. As Alex said to start uh, this conversation, Georgetown went down in the stunnered uh, loss to Delaware, and they faced off against Cornell. And now we're looking at one side of the bracket, the Rutgers side of the bracket, where Rutgers is the highest remaining seed if they were to knock out Penn. So, you know, the door is really open for Rutgers to really make a run into it deep into this NC or deeper into this NCAA tournament. And I think that's something that really needs to be highlighted. I mean, Carm's basically gone over everything that I would have said with this pen matchup, but it really does come down to playing a complete game, playing a full 60 minutes. I wasn't, I wasn't really, I didn't really know be, uh, before this season that lacrosse games were this long. It's, you know, four 15 minute quarters, just like it is in football and, you know, games could go on and it's really tough to keep your momentum and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, you know, to sum it up, if Rutgers can really get past Penn here, they have a really good chance to make the end, make the whole championship here with uh, Cornell and Delaware looking on the other side, two beatable teams in my eyes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but, you know, you got to be excited for how this, men's lacrosse team is really performing right here and uh alex am i reading this right ross scott had eight goals last game am i reading that right sir you are not going crazy the man had eight <laughs> goals against harvard i mean i mean it's incredible what the guy did the guy has 48 goals on the season and from what i recall if he scores two more goals he's going to tie the all-time record for a single season goal scoring number in 50 and Ross Scott, I mean, again, the guy is incredible. The guy, uh, you know, who filled in for David Sprock, David Sprock, who got hurt in the preseason right before the season began, four days before the, the season began, I was riding high on Ross Scott. My prediction was that when, when, uh, when Sprock went down, Ross Scott's going to be the main facilitator and the main guy who's going to lead the offense, control the offense, and lead to Rutgers being a high-powered offensive team. What happens? Ross Scott leads the team with goals in 48. He leads the team in assists. He leads the team in points. He's your top offensive player in every single category. And he's been absolutely incredible. And, yes, he had eight goals, Dylan. He had eight goals indeed. He had two field goals, a safety as well. However you want to put the point spread on there, a touchdown and a two-point <laughs> conversion if you like football, you know, whatever you want. But altogether, 
No, the guy played remarkable, and the man has been unbelievable this year, and Sunday was just another example really to the highest level of what Ross Scott can do at any given moment. Yeah, and you know half the goals too, he, as you mentioned, eight, but half of his goals came in that final period in, in which you, you put away a good team like Harvard. And, yep. you know, no, not an easy task to do, and when your best scorer on the field is able to just put up a four spot in that final frame of the game and really put Harvard to bed, I mean, that just shows how resilient this team is and how clutchy, I, I would say, how clutchy is. Because, again, four goals in the final quarter takes a lot, a lot of belief out of that Harvard team. It would take a lot of belief out of any of the any teams you play, right? I mean, if you, you have a guy that's putting up a four spot real quick in that fourth quarter, a game in which you're trying to come back and keep your season alive, and you just see a guy like Ross Scott just have the success he had in that fourth quarter, I, I mean, that's just, that's that's good play from him, and it's a re- just really clutch play for Ross Scott. We'll see if he'll be able to keep it up against Penn. No, yeah, no, of course, definitely, indeed. And, I mean, again, I mean, look, he's my main guy to watch out for from an offensive standpoint. The main guy to keep an eye on altogether is Mitch Bartolo because Mitch Bartolo used to play for Penn. And for two years uh, before the season, Penn and all the Ivy League teams did not play a full slate of games because of COVID-19. So we look at 2022 and how Penn, how the Ivy League has roared back into being the dominant force they have been for a long time. This year really shows that. And for Mitch Bartolo, he left Penn. He graduated from Penn. He had an extra year of eligibility because of COVID-19. He uses that here at Rutgers. The guy's been incredible as well. He has at least nearly, nearly, if not at least 40 goals on the season this year. So for Mitch Bartolo, this is more of a... uh, I wouldn't say a revenge game, but in a game where he's playing his old team and at a big stage, a big stage in a big moment for a really big opportunity to make your way to the final four and play for that national title. Rutgers has been high flying for that. That that's been their main goal. Sure. You know, sure. Things did not work out in the big 10 tournament, but their main goal is to win a national title. And they've been talking about that for a while now. And this is their chance. Again, if they can get past Penn, if they can make the Final Four play Cornell or whoever they could face off against in the uh, in the Final Four, and then let's say on May 30th they face Maryland or, or whoever else they could play possibly, that's one heck of a story. And if it is Maryland, I tell you, Maryland's the better team. They've beaten them twice. We, you know, not not just lacrosse, but in any sport, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season alone. Rutgers couldn't do it. Rutgers might lose again. We don't know. But everything's on the line specifically this Saturday. And for a guy like Mitch Bartolo, this is big stuff for him. Where again, he's playing his old team. He's now a score all night. He's he's emphasized why he's at Rutgers, why he's playing for Rutgers, how he's a score all night right now. And altogether, how he wants to win for Rutgers. He loves Penn. He loves his former teammates, his former coaches, his former program, all that stuff. But the pass is behind him. The time is now for Rutgers. The time is now for Mitch, for, for Mitch Bartolo. And that's his goal right now. That's his motive right now. I'm really, really, really excited to see what he does against his old team and how it's going to match up for him personally against the Quakers. Yeah, Alex, and one more thing. I'll let you go real quick, Jack. You wanted to add something? Yeah, I just wanted to add, I mean, something that I said um, in my initial thoughts on this men's lacrosse team. I think it's really cool to see this Rutgers community get behind this team. Um, on a day on, or on Sunday when we won against Harvard 19-9 to at Yursak, 
Um, it was the same day as the commencement, as we all know, and yet we had a great turnout for the game from anyone who was there. I know Chris Akonis and Eddie Kalegi were talking a lot about how the crowd was really into it and how it was a really cool environment. Over 5,000 uh, people. Yeah, I mean, they were they were all, they were the play-by-play. You could have called call it an Sunday. outdoors Jersey Mike Serena at this point, what we saw this past Sunday. Yeah, and I think that's really important to see this this Rutgers uh, community and Rutgers fans really support this lacrosse team because, you know, as we know, lacrosse isn't on the popularity level as the football or basketball will be, but that doesn't mean that Rutgers isn't supporting them in their quest for national championships. So I think it's really cool to see, and hopefully uh, we're able to keep that up as we head out to Long Island this weekend. I mean, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's really remarkable, and not just Rutgers lacrosse, Rutgers women's lacrosse too, Rutgers soccer, men and women, Rutgers baseball, of course, right now. You know, at least with 40 wins on the season, it's remarkable what all these teams have done. And sure, you know, these teams don't get enough coverage or attention compared to football and men's basketball, especially. But these teams like baseball, men's and women's lacrosse, men's and women's soccer, field hockey, even, you know, teams like that. These are right now the top of the crop teams for Rutgers, and they're representing Rutgers at the highest levels of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, Carm, just to add to that, I mean – can Big Ten, like, critics of Rutgers say that we don't belong in the Big Ten anymore? I mean, the only sport that we really haven't had success in the Big Ten in is what? Football? Football, that's yeah. It. And unfortunately, that's the one that gets the biggest magnifying glass. But, sure. Uh, it's, it stands. Like, as you said, baseball having a great season. Women's soccer had a great season. Men's basketball has been great for – great or not great, but they've been – Pretty, been pretty good for a while, and they've done hey, back to back national tournament appearances. Sounds pretty good to me, Jack. Oh, I know, but I, I got ahead of myself and said, "Great, I, I think it's great, like winning Big Ten championships." But they're good. I mean, that's a bad tone. Rutgers basketball is great, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, the point stands. Like all these, all these sports have done incredible things in even the past year, and I think it's time that people really say like, oh, Rutgers is really caught up to the rest of the Big Ten and they belong yeah. here now. No, you're right indeed. They they definitely deserve that respect. It's funny, Ryan Lasko will be joining us actually in an hour or two of tonight's show. We have a condensed version. I tell you, I had a great conversation with him. It was a half hour long, but we'll play 15 minutes of it. That's how great of a conversation it was. But with, Lyon, uh, with, uh, with Ryan, I talked to him about not just Rutgers baseball, but these, you know, these, these other Rutgers sports that are on the rise and don't get enough attention altogether. And again, it, you know, something he really pointed out, not just him, but for many athletes that he's talked with and, and many athletes overall that, that, that have voiced their opinions about this. There are a lot of Rutgers athletes who took that slam of Rutgers not deserving of being a Big Ten team. They took that personally. And honestly, I don't blame them because when they work their butts off time and time and time again to get the programs to where they're at right now, like the amount of disrespect and the amount of, you know, underdog tones that Rutgers sports gets, especially in the Big Ten, it's incredible at this point where you had women's soccer who was number three in the country, men and women's lacrosse that are top 15 teams in the nation, guaranteeing Maryland always, you know, beats both Rutgers in both, you know, both team sports, but Rutgers is always a solid number two or number three in the Big Ten Conference for men's and women's lacrosse. We look at all of this. I mean, it's remarkable how these teams are rising, yet you have these critics, eh, it's a fluke. Eh, it's nothing. Eh, by next year, there'll be a joke. Eh, by next year, things will come back to reality. 
No, folks. Rutgers baseball, Rutgers field hockey, who won, a, who won Rutgers' first ever Big Ten title, by the way. Rutgers lacrosse, Rutgers soccer, all these sports, even Rutgers basketball, and eventually Rutgers football, hopefully down the road. These teams are no Mickey Mouse programs. They're legit teams. They're legit programs who are competing at the highest levels of the Big Ten Conference, and they're showing their worth of what it means to, to be a Big Ten team. Think about it. They've been in the conference for, what, seven, eight years, so, so, something like that by now? By seven, eight years, they've done so much to grow the Big Ten Conference and bring more revenue and bring more respect and really a name brand to the Big Ten Conference. Rutgers has done that in such a short period of time in a way many have not remembered any other Big Ten team possibly doing for the first time in a long time. Guaranteed you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, all these, you know, Big Ten original, sure. But for Rutgers, a new kid on on the block, the way they're just being so dominant and putting themselves out there and representing the Big Ten, again, at the highest level, the respect has to be due and the respect has to be paid now. Yeah, and Jack, I feel like that's a great point because football is the money maker, right? I mean, that, that, that that's how it is and that's how it will always be. So when Rutgers in football, except for maybe the past couple of years, you know, in past years when they go three and nine and or two and ten, you know, te- people that don't really follow other sports in the Big Ten look at that and go, "Well, they don't deserve to be in here. These are easy layup wins every single year for a team like Ohio State." You know, they they would compare it to a non-conference game against the Citadel, but it would be a part of their Big Ten conference schedule, and people look at that and go, "Well, they, you know, they shouldn't be in it." But again, they just don't pay attention enough to other sports in Rutgers athletics, and we're seeing all of these teams just. Sort of the highest level uh, sure. basketball. I mean, listen, they they finished fourth in the Big Ten this year, Jack. I don't need to tell you. You covered that team throughout the year. But, I mean, they finished fourth in the Big Ten. That was better than Michigan State, teams like Michigan, all these historic programs that have been thriving in those conferences for ages, it feels like. Rutgers finished yeah. better. And also beat some of the premier teams in that league during that four-game ranked win streak. I, I mean, it's just... Stuff like that, and I I think eventually the football team will become much better than it has been. I mean, we've already seen the past two years, um, last year, 5-7, and seven, and I believe the, the year before in a Big Ten-only um, matchup or a year was, what, 3-6, and 3-5, and five, something think, like that? Yeah, 3-6, and six, something like that. But to be honest with you, Dylan, with how competitive they played, they could have went 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and four, maybe even 6-3. and three. Yeah, I mean, you look at that Michigan game, the missed field goal, right? I mean, that game they should have won in over in that first overtime. That was a heartbreaking right. loss. Uh, they were able to beat Purdue on the road. I mean, we saw a lot of good things from that team. And that's and the team that we have now, I think, is way better than the team that we had then. So you got to think that the program is on the rise right around the corner. And hopefully we'll be successful for the people that for the people out there that look at that and go, you know, Rutgers shouldn't be in the Big Ten just because football has been, you know, on the downside uh, since Greg Schiano left that first that first time. Welcome back to the WRSU crew here on 88.7 FM, New Brunswick. Dylan, Alan, Jack Bisea, Alex Carminati, Arno Sarkar here with you. John Hartnett joining us momentarily. 
Guys, we had a very nice conversation about men's lacrosse and their big upcoming game against UPenn this Saturday at 12 p.m. out in Long Island. But let's go now towards locks of the week. And, Jack, you told me you had a lock that you wanted to share first, so let's hear it. I do. Um, we didn't mention it because we were head deep in a men's lacrosse discussion, but there was some major news regarding tonight's conference finals, game one between the Heat and Celtics. The Celtics are down two starters tonight. Marcus Smart's not going because of a foot sprain he sustained in Game 7. Al Horford is in health and safety protocols. Celtics are down two starters. That's huge. And they're two days off a Game 7 win over the Bucks. And mind you, the Celtics also have played, what, three games in three cities since the Heat last played. And that was only last Thursday. So the Celtics are really in a disadvantageous position. And with that said, the line... When I when we went to break was at minus four for the Heat. It switched now to minus four and a half. I'm still taking that. Take, give me the Heat minus four and a half. I think they get it done. I think they win more than four and a half points here on their home floor in Game One against a Celtics team that's really reeling because of their situation with COVID with Al Horford and Marcus Smart and coming two days off a Game Seven win like they did. This has the recipe for a Boston Celtics loss in the Miami Heat win. Yeah, so Celtics out with some of their key players. It'll be interesting to see. Now, Jack, I, I have to ask, and I know we're in locks of the week. Maybe we can save this for later. You know what? We'll save this for later. We'll save the Celtics talk for later because it's just it's an interesting series to break down, in my opinion. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the, cell, on the, on the Heat, I should say, uh, especially with all the performances Jimmy Butler has been putting up for Miami against the Sixers. Alex, do you have a lock for us, or do you want me to go next? Um, I don't have a gambling lock per se, but I can make a guarantee for you for our lock of the week. And what's my guarantee? We talked about Rutgers men's lacrosse. What's my guarantee? What's my lock of the week? Now, there's not an official spread per se on this NCAA quarterfinal, but my lock of the week is that Rutgers is going to beat Penn on Long Island in overtime. Mitch Bartolo is going to have a four-goal game but Ross Scott's going to score the game-winning goal in overtime. It's not a lock of the week, gambling-wise per se, but you can count it as my lock of the week for this week. I like that. I like that you gave us. It doesn't. I don't think you can bet the game. It's college sports, but I I like no, no, how no, you, you guaranteed it. And you know what? If you do lose, you don't lose any money. So it might be one of the better locks that you know you've thrown out there. To be honest. Um, Let's see. Where do I want to go with this? Uh, I, I, I'm conflicted between baseball and and hockey. I don't really know much about these the hockey teams that are playing tonight. I'm, I'm a Rangers fan. I don't know much about the Blues or the Avalanche or the you know the Panthers. The Lightning I know are going for the three peat. I I'm gonna stay away from the NHL. I'm gonna go in the MLB tonight. There's a, a lot of games, a lot of rainouts yesterday, so a lot of postponed games playing tonight. I think the Mets are in there. Uh, their, their second game is at 6:50, so only like 15 minutes from now. They they won earlier today, three to one against the Cardinals. I, Alex, I, I know you can't be too thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't be too thrilled yeah. about that. Goldschmidt homer back in the eighth, you know, to keep it from uh, being a scoreless game for you guys. But um, I'm gonna go in the MLB, and I know, listen, I know it's the Orioles, and this seems like just the easiest pick of all time. But I'm going to go with the Yankees' money line against the Orioles tonight. They are the best team in baseball by far. In my Well, not by far, but they're the best team in baseball. And they're absolutely just going to steamroll the Orioles tonight. And, you know, if I want to be a little bit more fun with this since this is such a basic pick, 
I'll go with um, I'll go with Aaron Judge tonight to also hit a home run. So that's I'm gonna add that in there as well. You can parlay. You can just do two straight bets. Whatever you want to do with that. But Yankees are winning this game tonight, and I have a feeling that Aaron Judge is just going to crank a homer tonight. So I have both of those. I believe the home run odds are two thirty five plus two thirty five. So you know it's um it, it, I think it's pretty likely to happen. Uh, he's in my opinion a top 10 player in the league and one of the better outfielders in the game. And there are a lot of good outfielders, but that that's kind of where I'm at, Yankees money line, and then throw in an Aaron Judge home run tonight as well, plus 235. And we're going to welcome John Hartnett, who just got in the building. Welcome, John, to the show. What's happening, Dylan? Can you hear me? I, I got you loud and clear. All right. So I am late. Oh, my God. I was building pools at a pool factory for work, and it ran late. That sounds interesting. It sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Oh, nothing much. We uh, we opened the show with Locks of the Week. Uh, not, we're, we're doing Locks of the Week right now. We opened the show with men's lacrosse, talked about that, uh, the Harvard game and the UPenn game this weekend. Mm. So now we're kind of shifting gears to Locks of the Week. You got the Mets. You got the Mets hat on. We have Alex on the show, who is a Cardinals oh. fan. Oh, John, come on, pal, give me a break. <laughs> I'm not even there, and, and you're still gonna rub it in my face about this game today. Come on, give Listen, me a break. Listen, Alex. I mean, you got a second one to redeem yourself later. Yeah, it's fair. Well, <laughs> I'm going Thursday, so hopefully they win oh, on cool. Thursday when I'll when I'll be there. So, hey, I don't go know. On. I mean, it's just the uh, thing with the Cards sorry. is this, and it's been like this for a while now. One game, they'll play phenomenal. They'll hit a few home runs. They'll win 15-8 to eight or whatever it is. And then the next game, the bats are so quiet, it's painful. Like, it's so it's, – it's incredible how inconsistent this team has been, especially the past few years where one game, they'll go off. They'll show signs of life. They'll be phenomenal. The next game, they'll play like garbage. <laughs> you know, it's funny because – Unlike this year, I feel like I've had that talk to myself about the Yankees in the past couple of seasons where they're just, they show signs of life and then they're inconsistent and then I, you just don't know what to make of it. Um, but John Arnov, whoever wants to go next, we, I believe, or yeah, Alex gave out his lock. He says Men's Lacrosse is going to win this weekend's matchup against uh, UPenn in overtime. Ross Scott getting the goal to win it. Um, Jack, did you did you have something with the Celtics or did you just give an update for the, the injuries? Uh, no, that was on a different conversation, different topic we can talk about later. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that since I got the floor for like a couple of seconds, I mean, I think, um, we'll talk, I mean, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it for later. Uh, the NBA talk, but definitely a lot to talk about there. And Jack, what was your, what was your lock? Did you give one out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was heat minus four and a half. I think okay. with all the injuries going on at the Celtics, um, John, you just joined. I don't know if you heard. Celtics are down two starters for game one tonight. Um, it starts at 8.30 on ESPN, and uh, they're also two days off of game seven. So I think Heat minus four and a half is a pretty safe bet, which yeah, will probably be long. But I'll um. say this. <laughs> fire Doc Rivers and get rid of James Harden. That's all I'll tell you. Let's that's save that fire till their NBA talk, Harm. Yeah, we'll save no, that for I later. Know. It's, a nice little, it's a nice little tease, though. So do any, <laughs> do any, of you have a, um, any of you have a lock that you can give us? Are you going to go, go Mets here? with hockey, actually. Oh, okay. With the second round. All right, After John, that, go ahead, Amazing pal. Game 7 finish for my New York Rangers. Amazing. On, oh, my. I, have I got the hat it. right here. Oh, I love it. I have it, I have not stopped smiling for the past <laughs> 72 hours. But I'm going to go with the Battle of Alberta. I think the Flames are going to knock out the Oilers on Wednesday. Okay. 
just because I think Markstrom's a great goaltender. He's in the he's I think he's in the running for the Vesna. Okay. And I'm gonna go low scoring. Flames are gonna win two one. Yeah. John, did, did you see that game seven? I think it was Sunday night. I Jake did. Ottinger, man, fifty eight saves, and Dallas couldn't buy him a goal to win the game in overtime. That's... I mean, the kid played incredible. He kept them alive the entire game, and then Dallas fold, fold, folded like a cheap suit because they couldn't <laughs> help it. Uh, two things. One, Alex, you are very good at your little one-liners. You just, I just, I, I don't know how off. you think of them. Just, you're so quick. Um, yeah, the uh, what's his name? What was the Dallas uh, goaltender? Uh, Jake Ottinger. Ottinger. Jake Ottinger. What's funny? His name is Jacob because he's doing his Jacob the best Jacob ground impression I've ever seen. He keeps his team in the game, <laughs> and he's he, he gets lost. So, so you're gonna go with you're gonna go with Calgary to win the first game. Is yeah. that in Edmonton as well? Good question. Or is that in no, Calgary? No, it's in Calgary, I'm pretty it, sure. Calgary's Calgary. the better team. Yeah, it's in Calgary. No, it's, yeah, it's in Calgary. Calgary. The yeah. Flames have the home ice. Hey, DA. Yeah, Jack. I have a I have a general betting question. So uh the pretext of this is that the Celtics heat line has moved from minus two to minus four and a half since the injuries came out. So if you make a bet at heat minus two, does it stay that way for the rest of the game or does is it fluid does it change with the with the circumstances you know so, what I mean so you're asking that? me if i made that bet let's say three hours ago before any of the news broke and i bet right. at minus two and now it changes to minus four because of the news right. i believe it does not change you bet what you get it at which is another thing i do sometimes when i watch the nba specifically because the scoring happen happens so quickly like right. in late games jack it could be any game really um you know like like I'll use this for an example because this was something that I actually did. I believe it was Lakers Clippers earlier in the year. If you, do you remember that game where Reggie Jackson hit a couple la late layups and then Anthony Davis almost got the floater? I believe I put. I'm a trying little... to forget the season, man. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm just I'm using it as an example to clarify for you, buddy. It, it, yeah, it sucks yeah, that it has to be the Lakers. I but... don't blame you, Jack, because LeClown James is a oh, joke. Geez. What do you expect? Oh, man. I didn't even mean to bring that up at all, but to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> To answer your question, Jack, um, I think the Lakers were plus, I don't know, let's say 253 something. They were down like four points with a minute left. And I was like, I, I think they're going to win this game, hit some clutch buckets. So I bet it at that point. And then I was just riding it out, hopefully, you know, hoping that they hit a couple of shots. And they tied it and they made it close. And I thought I was actually going to win. And, and again, once you hit those shots, the, the lines are going to fluctuate. Like it's going to be Lakers, maybe minus 100 or only plus 100. So you kind of have to pick and choose at the like it's all about timing. So to answer your question, it would not have changed. So if you bet this game before all the injury news came out and you got minus two, you're throwing a you're throwing a party right now. The fact that you only have to win by a basket. So gotcha. Yeah, that's good. That's that's interesting. Interesting to hear because despite all my genius uh, betting betting advice, I'm personally not a better. So um, that's a good thing. No, you have you have you have to learn. But uh, that's good to hear. Trust me, it's a, it, Jack. It's a good thing to not be a, a a constant better. I I gave it up for about a month or two. Just you have to you have to have limitations. It's honestly it's a good thing because you won't lose any money. <laughs> so that's a can we just talk segment in of itself. It is. It's it really is. All right, Arnov, do you have a lock for us, buddy? Um, yeah, I'm gonna stick it. Um, stick to hockey. And the basketball news is kind of interesting. I mean, you know, maybe the 
the Heat will have an easier time winning game one. But as, um, also, in, um, well, actually not in Florida, I'm going to go with um, um, the Colorado Avalanche to win game one over the Blues. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Florida battle between Lightning and the Panthers tonight could go either way. But the Avalanche are also like one of the best teams in hockey right now. And I don't really feel like the Blues are quiet at their level. And it's, you know, game one, Colorado. Um, they, you know, it's a, se- a series opening. I, um, I, I feel like the Avalanche will um, set the tone and, um, you know, hand it to the Blues, take a 1-0 series lead, probably a 2-0 series lead. But for now, I'm just going to say um, the Avalanche over the Blues is my lock of the week. Lightning with repeating. Buckle up. Get ready for it. You know, Alex, I'm starting to believe that too, unless the rain, like if the Rangers lose, like listen, John, this is already a great season. It's a great season already. If they lose to Carolina in five or six, it's like whatever for me. Yeah, they, they beat, they, they showed tenacity. Um, what's the word I'm thinking for? Um, grit. grit yeah, they but back kids. A, re, a resilient group for coming back in that series and what seemed like they were totally out of it. Uh, you can say maybe it was because Crosby wasn't playing. Whatever you want to say, he played in that final game. And they were trailing in three of those games, and they found a way to come back. So they proved that they're a resilient group and that you know yeah. they might lose this game to Carolina because it might not be their time. They're still young and still learning, but they proved to me at least that they can withstand a tough test against experienced guys. Being down 3-1, to one, I mean, for any team's a tough task, even for the most experienced guys in the league. For them to do it at the, you know, at the young core that they have, to be able to go through that already only adds to the amount of experience that the team now has. So, again, if they lose to Carolina, listen, I just want it to be a competitive series. Yeah, I don't want it to be, you know, like that game at Pittsburgh where it was 7-2. to I don't want it to be like that because that will just be brutal to watch. At least if they lose the series and they're close, like it's entertaining, you're in it. And as a fan, you're like, you know what, they put up a good fight. They got past Pittsburgh, and they, you know, they lost in six games to arguably one of the better teams in their division. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough task to beat Carolina. But – when went out, well, you just said Tampa's going to win the whole thing. I absolutely. honestly don't doubt it. Absolutely, I don't doubt Vasilevsky's it. the best goalie in the world, baby. Don't de- oh, d- don't best. deny him. <laughs> second best. The Lightning Behind got my this. Dad, Igor. Behind Igor. Oh come on! No, Give me Igor. A break. Igor's up for the MVP. Now look, Henrik Lundqvist is my dad, but Igor Shosturkin, thats my daddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> John, John, I'll. I'll tell you this: By the time the season comes to a close, Vasilevsky is going to be a grandfather. So let's take it easy. Oh, on that oh my goodness! <laughs> that. The point is, is that altogether? No, I mean, look, I mean, it, look, it's wide open. It's wide open in general, but I got him. And I'll say this: If the Rangers and the Lightning. If they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, John, insane. if you want to go to the game, let me know. Let's I am do okay it. with this team making me broke. I if they make it to the Oh my! I'm, Here, get, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Here's the thing. I mean, I don't, how much more broken they make you go? I, game seven, <laughs> the game, and I understand it's game seven, but I was I was telling Arnov so the standing room only tickets for game seven were 800 and change after they won game what? six. I was re- seriously considering buying seven, game seven tickets before game six. Yeah, they're they're like at 340. Yeah, I remember. I, I looked wow. too. Yeah, I but I was like, oh eh, I probably won't go anyway. But, I, you know, if you were really considering it, you should have done it before game six then. I went to Lundquist's oh retirement goodness. night, oh, and those were about Louise. 350. And those were the worst seats, like, you know, goal yeah. side. Up at the rafters. The, uh, yeah. Behind the nets. I didn't care. I would be, I would be, I would sit in the closet just to get in the building. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you, all I know is that Pittsburgh blew a 3-1 lead and Crosby's a fraud. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, my well, goodness. Whoever oh, was winning this series Crosby. was probably not going to get past the, the Hurricanes the anyway. Crosby... Hey, good player. He's got his rings, whatever. But 
Crosby's the biggest crybaby to, to ever lace a pair of skates. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I mean, it's it's brutal. And you know what? Good for him. He deserves to lose like that. I can't stand <laughs> oh Pittsburgh. They're they're phonies. They're frauds. All of that. And no, I mean. Uh, Honestly, I think Carolina might might wipe the floor. I think I think they win in five games. To yeah, be honest with I, you, I, I'd, I'd but agree. in general, like you never know. That's true. You never know. Did you see post game by the way of that Pittsburgh uh, the game seven? Did you see what they were saying about the the final goal? Somebody had to come off because of the helmet rule. Is that what I was hearing? Yeah, yeah. I had to, I kept hearing about the helmet rule, but I never I didn't see it live, and I didn't look in. What happened? I just don't. I'm not sure. John, 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 Alex. I forgot who it was, but apparently one of the players for Pittsburgh, his helmet got knocked off his head unintentionally, and apparently the rule is is that once your helmet comes off, you have to skate back to the bench and put it back on. But That's a silly rule. Hearing it from, again, the ESPN analyst and from hearing what I've been hearing the past few days, that's technically not a rule in the book. So maybe Pittsburgh is making it up. I don't know. <laughs> But at the same time, like from what I've heard, many folks and many analysts, like like, let's be honest with you, Chris Chelios, who is a, le- a legendary defenseman, played over 20 years in 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 the NHL, retired at like 47 years old or whatever it was, mm-hmm. even may- maybe older than that to be honest. Point is, is that he's an analyst for ESPN Hockey, and he didn't even know about the rule. I think so honestly, it's either Pittsburgh making up an excuse. Or this actually took place and Pittsburgh got screwed. But I really doubt, you know, this rule because really it would have been talked about, it would have been known about, and we and anyone and and their brother would have learned about this rule by now. No, one hundred percent. I think it's uh, I don't know. The refs all series were pretty bad, but I mean at this point I think Pittsburgh just grasping or the, and there's they blew a three to one lead. They blew it. They did. Yeah, there's not much. Else, there's not much else. You let Keandre Miller beat you, so like, <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, I mean, you can you you should watch John after this. You should watch the post game press conference for yourself just to see what they were saying. But you know, I there's so many things you can say, but Pittsburgh just kind of using that as a scapegoat because it's the final game. Of course, that's what they're gonna do. And right. to be honest, it's probably what most teams would do. But you you can't blow a three one series lead, especially with with the experience that team has. You have. Three three-time Cup winners on that roster, and I, again, Crosby didn't play for one of the games, but you still had Latang and Malkin on there on the ice for them, and you, you can't blow a three-two lead. Nonetheless, blow leads in the games itself, and then blow the lead to the series. It was just like blowing leads left and right for that team. They just could not figure out how to how to hold the game last minute. And you could blame it on Louis Domingue all you want, but you had Tristan Jari for Game Seven, or right. your best goalie on the roster. You put him in a tough spot. He hasn't played in over a month and change, and you put him into a Game Seven on the <coughs> road, his first action since God knows when, and you expect him to win you the game. Eventually, Artemi Panarin is going to strike, and he did. So, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, there were so I'm many things be with you, that Dylan, went wrong. Dylan, I'll be honest with you. I know garbage bags that can make better saves than Trish and Jari. Are you <laughs> oh, kidding man. me? Hey, listen, I mean, listen, Alex. Off. I don't think Jari's that good either, if I'm being honest. But he's I, washed. I mean, he's he's horrible. He's not a good goalie <laughs> at all. He's brutal. He's better than Domingue, though. My roommate is a he, huge yeah. Pittsburgh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He's not Louis Domingue, but, I mean, come on. The guy, is not, he's, he's not a good goaltender. And the biggest mistake they made was letting Matt Murray go. Guaranteeing Matt Murray didn't play so well towards the end of his Pittsburgh timeline, but a guy who won two cups for you the way he did, 
you can't just let let the guy walk like that. I mean, ever since they they haven't had their true goalie, Tristan Jari, of course, is not the answer. He's just a horrible solution. Well, who would have <laughs> thought that letting Mark Andre Fleury go is their biggest mistake? Because he's been great. Yeah, no, you're right. And he's 37. I mean, how? I mean, you can't even blame them for that because he's been he won a Vezina at like 36. Like two no, years I mean, ago, right? and and I mean, at that point, Flurry was washed up, guaranteed. But he's he's bounced back. I mean, he's yeah, been incredible 100%. the past few years. You know, that's guaranteed for sure. But no, John, you're right, absolutely, and it's remarkable how that's taken place and how Pittsburgh has shot themselves in the foot more than once about Flurry and Murray. And Jari, you got the Flurry Murray Jari all, trilogy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, again, he, the guy's the guy is brutal to watch. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, this series was just, it was because the Rangers, I mean, both teams did things well. I mean, obviously, Pittsburgh shot some goals well. Rangers shot some goals well. Igor was Igor. But the Rangers' defense all series long was abysmal. Yeah. That, that I mean, that is what's going to cost them the series in Carolina if they lose a series. Just because, I mean, this is Carolina's not a, a new problem. Carolina's a fast team, man. Carolina can skate so quickly. They can burn you in five seconds. And when yeah. they get one, two, three goals just like that, Forget it. say sayonara. I mean, this is not a new problem. Since I got in, since I got like started following the Rangers, maybe like in like early high school, I mean, this the, the defense has always been a problem, and they just right. gotta get a few get trade for Big Dick Vic, Big Dick Vic Hedman, Victor Hedman. Okay, so you wish? What are you crazy? That's You're out of say? your mind. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. You're out, you I mean, are out of your mind. I, d- I doubt they give him up. Trade like uh, I don't know, Georgiev and like a couple of garden glizzies. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh the hot my dogs goodness! In the, I mean, uh, the garden for those. Look, hey, hey, <laughs> trading for Chris Letang or or whoever you want, but I mean, gee, I mean, look, I mean, again, it all comes down to what we're gonna see. And Carolina is a legit team. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Honestly, Carolina scares me the most. Carolina is a team that can just bulldoze all of a sudden. Guaranteed, it took them until Game Seven to really find their mojo. But, but like, that home ice advantage, especially that they're going to have, not just in this round, but maybe next round, I mean, they're, like, 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 like those fans are, 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 are a bunch of jerks for a reason. And did those fans, I mean, wow. That, I mean, that building was crazy loud in did, Game 7. Did you guys see that, the um, uh, what's it called, the PNC Arena? They're not allowing uh, fans not in North I did in the Carolinas this. to yeah. not go to the game. They can't buy tickets. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that, Alex or, or Jack or Arnoff, but they're like the the way that they're limiting this is by the the zip code in which you purchase your tickets on your credit card. So you if it's like kidding me. I'm, I'm not yeah. kidding you. So that they're apparently it's it's like if you buy the tickets out of the North Carolina, South Carolina, or, or I think like the Virginia area, it's they're gonna cancel your tickets, give you a refund, but your tickets won't be any good. So people that are Rangers fans, maybe that want to go down to Carolina and see a game, um. You know they, they can't. can't. They can't do that. Apparently, so that's that's what I, we're hearing. I find that ridiculously stupid. Like, <laughs> how could you? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm might be talking at talking, but uh, I, I don't know. I find that stupid. Sorry to dis- interrupt you, Da. No, it's all. I mean, it is stupid. I mean, agreed. How are you going to? Ju- I I don't get how how. First of all, I don't even. I mean, I understand how they can do it, but like how? But at the same time, how can they do that? That's like, like openly admitting that your fan base is not good. 
<laughs> and that you're worried that the other team's going to pack it a little bit more than you thought. Make it the PNC Square Garden. Exactly what happened in the, for the NFC Championship game with the Rams and 49ers. The Rams are openly admitting that their fan base isn't good. We knew yeah, that, but they just admitted right. it. It's very by, true. Yeah, by, it's a good point. Uh, holding back 49er fans from uh, San Francisco going to the game. And, and Jack, you're not wrong. For, 49ers fans travel, man. They travel very, very well. That's a, that's a good They that's travel a good extremely well. And even even – uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but NF- the NFC Championship game ended up being like a majority 49ers crowd anyway, right? I don't recall, but I thought they I got rid of surprised. the For some reason, I remember it didn't. I don't. I kind of remember it didn't make that much that much of a difference. But we're talking about hockey right now. I just feel like you're automatically you're you're just admitting that your fan base sucks. But here's the other that. thing too. I mean, we're talking about, and I understand San Francisco, LA. It's far apart, but they're in the same state. I mean, we're talking about Carolina not allowing people from three or four states up in the country to not travel down to their games. I mean, they're that worried. I mean, San Francisco 49er fans only had to travel a a little ways in the same state. New York fans have to travel, you know, a couple of states down to get to those games. And and honestly, if you're an interest fan, why would you even want to go to those games? If you're a logical fan and you think they only last five, six games, and you're probably banking that the first two are losses... Maybe you split on a good day, but, I mean, why would you take your chances? Just stay up, and I get the prices are different, but if you're paying to see a win, your best chance is at the Garden. Right. Well, DA, I'll say this real quick. California's huge, so, like, oh, it's I, don't huge. Think, like I don't think, like, the difference from the Bay Area to L.A. and then, like, New York City over to the Carolinas, it might be a little bit longer from New York City to the Carolinas, or, like, at least our area. But it's not that much different. I believe it's like no, no, six, it's, it's, it's like six hours from San Francisco to LA. At and least it might be like eight to get down to the Carolinas from here. So like it's it's not it's well from there it's a little longer, but like it's also not like out of the realm of possibility. You know what I mean? Well, 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 Jack from Jersey, it's eight hours. For me, it's ten if you include traffic. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's a lot, but I mean. You know, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But that's the uh, that's the name of the game. And but in general, I think Carolina is a scary team, and I'm I'm very concerned about the Hurricanes. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, my roommate's a big sh- uh, shout out to Casimir Malik, my roommate, my uh, good buddy of mine. Uh, he's a huge Pittsburgh fan, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, whatever. And I'm watched, sorry to hear that. Oh yeah, we watched <laughs> four of the seven games together. He was, and it was uh, we watched game one, game six, and game five. So the uh, two games, the Penguins won. The one that the Rangers, like the, they won game five, right? It's when they first started winning. The Rangers won game five, six, and seven. Yeah, we watched game five. He was not happy. And then I texted him on game seven. He was even less happy. Uh, <laughs> we both predicted that, like whoever, first of all, we predicted this, this series would either go six or seven, and whoever right. wins is gonna get knocked out. Like it's not like neither team is gonna make a deep run, just because of how dominant Carolina is. And to that extent, Tampa Bay. Yeah, listen, I the Tampa Bay Florida series is where it gets interesting for me. I know Rangers fans here we want to talk about Carolina, but in my opinion that that series should be favored towards Carolina, maybe in 5 or 6 if I had to guess. Yeah. But who knows? It might carry over from the success that we've seen in the last 3 games from the Rangers carry over into this series. And Carolina again if they're projected to go, I would say, five or six games against the Rangers and they had to go seven against Boston, in which that was a series where the home home ice advantage was all... That was what the series was. Every home team won their game. Mm-hmm. 
And yep. yeah, that's what it came down to. So if that's what it comes down to here, it could be an issue for the Rangers. But looking at the other series with the Lightning and the Panthers, um, first of all, I think the Lightning win that series. I know the Panthers were the best team in the NHL, right? They had the most points. But I look at that series, and again, I go, Lightning are playing for the three-peat. They have the most experience. Florida, yeah, they might have the best roster. They might have the most points. But I think Tampa wins the game. Vasilevsky... Top three goalie in the league. And best that's where, in the that's, world, pal. That's, to Alex, the best in the world. And that's where it all begins. If you have a goaltender that can keep you in games and a good enough team to score your goals, you're going to win a lot of games. And that's kind of what we saw with the Stars. I mean, Ottinger had a ton of goals, but they just couldn't formulate anything offensively. With Tampa, it's the exact opposite. And they have defenders, unlike the Rangers, that you know you can rely on with Hedman and the others. And McDonough, former Ranger. But, I mean... Totally different team. I think they go all the way to the cup, and I think whoever they play, they probably win this. They probably win the Stanley Cup for a third time. I th- I feel like the Avalanche would be would give them the hardest time. Mm. But but I, I think the Panthers series. I think people look at that and go, well, they had the most points, and they kind of overlooked Tampa Bay just because of where they were seated. But you you have to really take a deep dive into that <laughs> roster and just see that they, they they have been through it all. And I think they win this series. I think it goes six or seven. Tampa's favored. And, and, tape, and Tampa's um. In fa- Tampa's favor, I uh, are the Islanders the only, the last team to win three in a row? The 80s, 81, 82, 83. With Boston I'm not sure. Alex, are you an Islanders fan since you're from Long Island? No, 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 no. no, no oh, no, he's, no. I'm a Blackhawks fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I mean, I I'm more of a player guy to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. If I were to choose a team, it would be the Lightning because I love Braden Point. I'm a big fan of Braden Point. I like him a lot. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of of uh, of Vazzy and guys like that. So if I had to choose a team, maybe the Lightning. But really, in general, I'm I'm just a player guy. I'm okay. also a big fan fan of, fan of TJ Oshie. So I I really like him a lot too. But um, in general, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? But yeah, I mean, that's where I stand. But the the answer to your question, yeah, the Islanders were the last team to win at least three straight. They won four straight, of course, from eighty to eighty three. Mm. My uh, my dad grew up an Islander fan, and then he wore an Islander jacket to a Jet game, and when they used to play at Shea Stadium, and he got booed, so he stopped watching the Islanders. Oh, wow. <laughs> instead of just like not bringing his jacket to Shea, he just stopped watching the team. Oh wow, he's then, like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm done. He's traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> is he an Islanders fan now, or is he just? Oh, I've totally indoctrinated. He didn't really follow. He followed the '94 Rangers, like because that was like such a storyline. Right. He's really he's a more of a baseball guy. Okay. And then uh, I, you know, obviously a uh, big Ranger fan. I totally indoctrinated him into like Ranger fandom, and he was like losing his mind. In game seven, with blood pressure going up is and down. Is your dad a New York Mutz fan too? He is a Mets fan, born and raised in Flushing Queens. New York Mutz fan. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Mutz. Mutts, M-U- the Mutts, the New York Mutts. What do you expect? Call, like a, like call, a dog? All oh, you mean the Yankees. I'm not the hey, dog. Hey, <laughs> best team in the league. Chill. Chill with that. Going back to um, uh, the Battle of Florida, I I only follow the Metropolitan Division. Right. That's, that's just how I just follow hockey. Um, that's fair. There's, sure. so, there's, there's too much to follow yeah. with hockey. I mean, cause my sister's a big Caps fan. She, she went to school in D.C., and I love Ovi, just watching him work. Uh, nice. So I don't really know a lot. Besides like, these East Coast teams, it seems this is my opinion. It I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It seems that the Panthers they have the they have the best record in the Eastern Conference, right? Yeah, I they think do. that's because were they the team that started so hot? I believe they went so. like yes, eleven and zero start. 
Yeah, they Can did. Fact check? I'm gonna fact check that real quick. It just seems I mean, like there's. I mean, I think they're in like in general. Uh, in general, they were phenomenal the entire season long, and then once they made the move for Giroux, they just got even better. Oh wow! They once, were... once they once they added, uh, um, uh, 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 Claude Giroux, that was just the icing on the cake for this team. They finished. They they started their year ten zero and one. That's oh, insane. they're a very good team, no doubt about it. I just think that the Lightning's experience going for that three-peat, there's so much on the table for them. And their roster, again, they've won two in a row. And you could talk about how good Florida has been all year. But, again, I just think that Tampa wins that series. I think <clears throat> being able to go into Toronto, and I understand Toronto is the big choke team. They've choked, I, I think, it's six oh, straight years. They haven't gotten out of the first round. It's been horrible. No, no, no. I feel so Dylan, bad for them. Dylan. Times that by three, it's been eighteen years. Eighteen. Well, eighteen years. years since they had since they've advanced, but I'm saying it's been well, they haven't made the playoffs in every year since then. But it's been six consecutive years they've made the playoffs, haven't gotten out of the first round. And they're like the Knicks; they sell out every game. Well, yeah, I mean that, that's that, that's their sport up there in Toronto, and they've blown multiple or at least one that I can remember three one leads. They blew one the Boston, oh. I believe. Uh, so you know, it's it's it, you just so it's it's so rough. And, and listen, Tampa no, Bay, a joke. <laughs> they but they pretty much are. And Tampa Bay went into Game Seven, took care of business, and won the game. Vasilevsky only gave up one goal against a high-powered offense. So again, just I think that's something that you look at going against Florida, and they win the Battle of Florida. That's my prediction. Oh, sorry. Uh, going, I started a point that didn't close it. I I think that like the, I think I don't know. My opinion is like. Panthers, like the Panthers, like a uh, dominance, I guess you would call it. Right. Is a uh, like, like they kind of like padded their stats because they started ten and zero. Obviously, if you start ten and one, you're a good team. Right. But I think it's because I don't think they're like as loaded as people think they are. And I do agree with. You. I think Tampa Bay takes care of. I think Tampa Bay is uh, advancing. And they almost went a full seven games with with Washington, who's another team that has a lot of playoff experience. Yeah. And they almost went seven games with him. Uh, uh, you know took care of it in six. So when I look at the Lightning series, I look at them as a much better team than Washington, but with, with a, that same amount of playoff experience in two straight cups. And I look at that and I go, I think that's when Florida finally, you know, the buck stops here. I think that's where it'll end for right. Florida. And again, if, if, but here's the other thing, if Florida wins this series, let's say in six and they beat Tampa Bay and my whole thing goes right out the window. Well, then I start to turn the page and I look at them totally different. Right. Then. And I look at them and I go, well, they're playing, they're playing great hockey right in the nick of time. And they're beating arguably the best team in that whole division, conference, whatever you want to say, mm. and you know take the defending cha- two-time defending champs out of the out of the race and play maybe Carolina or New York. You know you look at that and you go, well, you know they're they're a very good team, and I underestimated them, but I, I think Tampa Bay takes care of business. There was always in any bracket, any any sport, baseball, football, whatever. There's always one team that, like you just never see coming. You're like, what? What? Yeah, hundred percent. Where did you guys come? Like the Red Sox last year? Last year, which by the way. As a Yankees fan, I just love to see them just absolutely being so crappy at the bottom of the division. I, I believe they're like six or seven games below 500. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome to see because I have I know Red Sox fans that were like, you know, boasting about last year. And, you know, rightfully so. They beat us and this and that. And they, they swept us like two straight times to start the year. Which, by the way, for the record, we went nine and ten against them. So that's like literally one team has to go ten and nine right. or nine and ten. So we pretty much evened it out. But to now see them get Trevor Story, pay all this money, they're no like talking pitching. all this crap, right? Chris Sale back on the IL. 
Never going to touch the mound until like probably July or August. He's having setbacks. Trevor Story hit his first home run the other other day, and we're like a month in. <laughs> and they're five games, six games below 500. Oh, it's just awesome. It's awesome. And it's to the point where now the Yankees are like the flip side, the best team in baseball. The Red yeah. Sox are like top 10 worst team in baseball, in my opinion. And they're just... They're just dealing with what they have. Chris Sale, no, not coming back anytime soon. It's just awesome. I'd agree. I mean, I mean, I went to Fenway last year for the first time in August. Oh, my goodness. What a cathedral of baseball, Fenway Park. It is the best stadium in baseball, not a shadow of a doubt. But uh, I've been there before. It's nice. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. I can't, I can't lie. Don't <laughs> say Bush Stadium. Say that, best. Don't and say stadium. I think with that, we might head to break, guys. But... The Mutts are winning three nothing in the top of the sixth. So, uh oh, John, keep wait, top of the six. Top of the six. It just started. I don't know what the heck I'm looking at then. <laughs> <laughs> the game, it's it started at like six fifty. They're up one okay. nothing at the end of at the end of the first. The oh. Mets. Mets. The Mets are winning one nothing after one. Of course, the Mutts are winning after <laughs> one inning. Of course they are. The Blue Jays legend <clears throat> Steven Matz is. I'm making his uh, his second oh, start. Oh jeez! Oh my goodness! Oh please! <laughs> oh please! Hey, let's see. Let's but see. With that. <clears throat> real quick, real quick, before we go to break, Alex, I'm gonna tell you how they scored. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Home run? All right, you ready? It's probably a home go run ahead. if I had to guess. Kana. Mark Kana home run to the left. Mark Kana? Did he? He, he used <laughs> to play for the A's. Yes, he did. He did. What the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is this? The Mets got I mean, him in come that. On. In that uh, Oakland A's fire sale. Oh, the A's, man. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's another I know, story. The yeah, A's. We'll, we'll, we'll I know there. a bowl of soup that looks better than their oh, stadium. Oh, my goodness. I mean, come on. <laughs> I saw a video I mean, of that. We'll go to break, but I saw a video of that earlier today, and it's just, just what a dump. And nobody yeah. goes oh, either. Horrible. Nobody no, goes horrible, either. Horrible. 